as we're continuing this series of who we are, is again, we've been focusing on the seven decorations that we have here at NCC. And what we've been doing the last few weeks is we put it in paragraph form for us to read out loud. Now, I'm going to challenge my NCC peeps to show up and show out when we read this. Are y'all with me? I want energy. Come on, let's wake up. Let's read this together. Say, God has given NCC a vision to make people and places new. I, as the church, am a part of this vision for our community. I will allow scripture to shape my life as part of owning my own spiritual growth. I'll find ways to invest in the next generation and change the world around me. No matter what comes my way, I'll let joy be seen in who I am. And as a part of this church, I'll live my life with others and will use what God's given me to help move us forward. Let's read this last part with some energy. Come on. We are new community church, and we will see God do miracles. By 2025, we will make 1,000 disciples across three NCC campuses. And together, we are committed to follow Jesus' example and be a disciple-making church. Come on, if you believe it, give God some praise this morning. So we have seven decorations that we are focusing on during this series of who we are. Before we go any further, I want us to just pray and prepare our hearts to receive from the Lord this morning. Father, we thank you, God. You are so good, Lord. And Father, even though we had three songs of worship this morning, God, our worship could continue because of your faithfulness in our lives. God, you've been so present, God, in difficult times and times of questioning and in times that are challenging, Lord, you've been there, Lord. And so, Father, today I pray that this not be just another Sunday service, God, but we position our hearts to receive. We believe two things this morning is, number one, you want to speak to us, God. And number two, your word is living and active, and it has the power to transform our lives. So, God, have your way in this place. We welcome your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. If I haven't had the opportunity to meet you, my name is Aaron Castellanos. I'm officially announcing today that moving forward, it's going to be AC. Because every time that they mentioned Aaron, everybody always asks, which one, Aaron E or Aaron C? It's AC from this point forward, okay? Can y'all help me with that? All right. But I have the honor to be able to share the word of God with you this morning. And again, we're focusing on one of the seven decorations that we have here at NCC. Today, specifically, we are going to be focusing on joy is seen in who we are. So could you do me a favor and repeat after me? Say, joy is seen in who we are. Now, as I was looking at that declaration, I started to kind of break it down more on a personal basis because the Bible talks about the church being you and I. It's individual people that make up the church. It's not the building. Are y'all with me? So if joy is going to be seen in who we are, then now the question is, is joy seen in who I am? Right? Oh, we like to say joy is seen in who we are because that puts me out of the picture. But if you and I make up the church, then that means that in order for joy to be seen in who we are, joy first has to be seen in who I am. So then the question becomes this, is that if people could describe what they see in me, what kind of words would they use? What kind of words would people use to describe your life? 
And would joy be part of that description? I think it's important before we go any further that we make it clear that there is a definition that is different from happiness. Joy is different from happiness. See, happiness for the most part is dependent on things and circumstances. Happiness looks like this. When I finally get there, whatever that is, I will be happy. Right? When I finally get this promotion, when I finally make this amount of money, when I finally get that house that I've been wanting and I'm no longer in an apartment, come on, some of y'all know the pain of being in a one-bedroom apartment, right? When I finally get the house and we don't all have to share the same bathroom, I will be happy then. Or when I finally get a car that doesn't break down on me, that's when I'll be happy. It's interesting the things that you learn to take uh, for granted, right? Like AC in your car. I was telling my barber yesterday, I said, I remember we had a van one time, and the hood used to flap up because it was tired with a hanger, like actual hanger wire. I didn't have AC, so when I showed up to the bank to work, my back was all wet and sweaty, and you had to wipe down. But happiness, for the most part, is tied to things and circumstances. Now, joy, biblical joy, is different because biblical joy is independent of things and circumstances. See, it's possible to have joy even when you're going through a difficult time. You ever seen someone who's going through a hard situation and they're a follower of Jesus? And yeah, there's pain and yeah, they're hurt because there's loss. But you can see that there's a consistent joy that they have and you're like, how is it possible? James In the book of James chapter 1, even reaffirms this because he says, consider it a pure joy when? When you face various trials or trials of different types. How can I have joy when I'm facing something difficult? Have you ever asked that? Like that verse does not make sense to me. But here's how you can have joy when you face various trials. Because the following passage or the following part says, Because you know that the testing of our faith does what? It produces perseverance, meaning that God does not waste anything. And even in a difficult situation, if my joy is tied to him, not to a thing, I can still have joy even if I'm being challenged right now. There's a contentment. There's a peace in the middle of it all because I know that God is going to use what I'm going through for a purpose, and it's going to produce something. There's a difference between happiness versus joy. Now, the Bible refers to joy as a fruit of the Spirit. Everybody say fruit. Say fruit. The fruit of the Spirit. And this is what it means. When you read the Bible, it shows us that when we give our lives to Jesus and we say, Lord, I surrender it all to you, what God does is he puts his Spirit to live inside of us, the Holy Spirit. And so now the Holy Spirit is there to help us, to transform us, to work in us. And so what happens is the things that I used to find pleasure in, I no longer find pleasure in. The way that I used to think no longer is the same because the Spirit is working in me. It's not by my own might. It's not by my own power or my own strength. It's the work of the Spirit in me. And so there's evidence of God working in a follower of Jesus' life, and it refers to it as the fruit of the Spirit. Look at what Galatians 5.22 through 23 says. It says, but the fruit, there's that word again, the Holy Spirit produces is love. What's the second one? Joy because we're talking about joy seen in who we are today, and peace. You know when the Spirit is working in someone because they become more patient, they become more kind, and they become more good. 
It is being faithful and it is being gentle and having control of oneself. Anybody feeling the pressure of this right now? You're looking at this, I'm like, oh my goodness, I've got a lot of work that needs to be done in me, right? It says there is no law against things of that kind. The Bible refers to the evidence of the Holy Spirit working in us as fruit. Say fruit. How many of you love fruit in this place? Come on, raise your hand. How many of you are some mango lovers? That's like one of my favorite fruits, right? What about pineapple? Any pineapple lovers in the house? What about watermelon? Come on now, on a hot summer day. And then you get some tahine and put it on there, game over. Some of you are like, what is tahine? I'll introduce you to that later, okay? And then grapes. Grapes are some of my favorite fruits, right? Here's the thing about grapes. Grapes, crispy and sweet, are awesome. But cold, crispy, sweet grapes are even better. You put them in the fridge, and at night when you want to eat that cookie, you're like, man, let me just get some grapes, right? And if they're crunchy, and if they're sweet, and if they're cold, perfect combination. But the thing that I don't like about fruit as much as I love it is how inconsistent it can be. Because one week you grab a bag of grapes and it's perfect. And the next week you grab a bag of grapes and you get all the squishy ones. Y'all know what I'm talking about, those nasty ones that nobody likes to eat? Does anybody like squishy grapes in the house? We're about to start praying for you if you raise your hand. I love fruit, but I don't like the inconsistency of fruit sometimes. And so it took me down this path when I was thinking, like, how do you produce good, consistent fruit? And I started reading this article, and so we're going to talk gardening uh, terms today and, and some methods on how uh, farmers produce consistent good fruit because I find it interesting, the correlation between the physical and the spiritual. And this article that I was reading, it gave me some very, like, obvious tips, like, like this one right here. It's choose a location with lots of sunshine. That's a given. And I could preach that point on how good fruit cannot grow in darkness, Right? Then it said, don't hesitate to thin out seedlings. Some of you are like, what are seedlings? It's getting rid of the weaker sprouts before they get too big. If not, they will drag your entire crop down. And it was saying in that article that sometimes people have a hard time cutting off things because they're emotionally attached to what's growing. And if they don't cut it off, what happens is those weaker sprouts start to bring out the rest of the, the crop. I could preach that one. But these are the ones that stood out for me. Like the next one, use high-quality fertilizer. Some of you are like, why did that stand out to you? It's saying don't use the cheap stuff. Use the good stuff. Because where the seed is planted matters. Let me repeat that. Where the seed is planted matters. Jesus shares this story in Matthew chapter 13, and he talks about the parable of the sower. And this man went out, and he started to scatter seed. And the seed that was being scattered started to land on different places. He says, some of the seed planted was planted on the path, and the birds came and ate it. And then some of the seed was planted on rocky places, and then others of the seed is, it was planted among thorns. And then finally, it says, some of the seed was planted on good soil. Now, I want you to take notes, because note-takers are what, NYC? History, History makers. When it talks about the seed in this passage right here, it's referring to the word of God. Okay? So follow me. Jesus says this. Listen to what that parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and it snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. 
Then the seed that fell upon the rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they had no root, it only lasts for a short time. And when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Can anybody relate? You're in a Sunday service or you're reading the Bible and something stands out and you're like, ooh, that's good. I needed to hear that. I needed to be here. And you're filled with joy. But as soon as you leave this place, what ends up happening is the troubles of life come up. And now because it wasn't deeply rooted, it's taken away. Then it says, the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. Notice how it's the same seed that's being planted in every one of these situations. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. Say, understands it. This is the one who produces a crop. This is the one who produces fruit. This is the one who joy is seen in who they are. They yield 100, 60, or 30 times more what was sown. And I thought about this, and I'm like, what's the difference between all these different people who are receiving the same seed, who are receiving the same word? And this is what I've noticed. It's not that God is saying, hey, this one is my favorite, and that one will produce fruit, and this one's not. That one's just going to get stuck where they are. The soil matters. My question is this, is we're all hearing the same word of God this morning. And we all have access to the same Bible throughout the week. But what is our position of our heart when we're in this place? Are we receiving? Are we saying, God, I'm here to let you do whatever it is that you want to do? Or are we here to just simply say, God, I went to church, I check it off my list, and I go back out and nothing changes? That's the difference. The person who hears the word and understands it is someone who allows the root, the word of God, the seed, to go deep. And so when troubles come, because they will, come on, someone knows you're going through a hard time right now. When worries come because they try to show up, we all have those moments. It's not ripped away because that seed is deeply planted and we're allowing God to go deep inside of us. Understanding what God is speaking looks like this, is that throughout the week I take what I'm hearing and I take the notes that I'm writing and I continue to ask God, God, what are you saying to me through this? It's not hearing it once and then going out there and forgetting what I heard. It's not reading it once and then forgetting what I read. But, man, God, what are you speaking to me? What are you trying to say to me through this verse? What are you trying to say to me through this message? And what ends up happening is that seed is planted deeper and deeper and deeper. And the natural byproduct of that is the fruit of the Spirit. It's joy being seen in a person's life. It's the same word. It's the same Bible. But are we keeping the seeds of the word of God at a surface level or are we allowing it to go deep? What is the position of your heart as you're in this place right now? What is the position of your heart when you're reading the Bible? So where the seed is planted matters. Can we agree with that? Then the second part of this article said this. It says you have to keep a consistent watering schedule. Everybody say consistent. That's the emphasis. It's consistent watering schedule. In other words, you can't water a fruit seed once a week and expect for it to produce good fruit. It's consistently watering what God is planting in your life. And what does that look like? It's throughout the week we take time aside for prayer and for worship. It's we're blocking time off to say, God, what you spoke to me on Sunday, what I just read, 
God, this is your opportunity to keep planting it deeper and deeper and deeper, God. I'm taking time out to spend with you, God, so that it's not just a surface-level type of planting, but it's going deeper. And it says consistently watering. That means daily. I'm not dependent on a Sunday service to be in the presence of God, but I make time to welcome the presence of God wherever I may be during the week. I'm making time for him every single day, consistently watering what God is planting. Guys, I can't expect the fruit of the Spirit to be evident in my life or for joy to be seen in who I am if I'm not consistently watering what God is planting in my heart. I, w- I was thinking about this example, and I don't know if you guys went through this when you were in elementary school, but they used to give us this styrofoam cup, and it had soil in it. And what you would do, this must have been like maybe first or second grade, is they would give you some beans. Do you all remember that? And you would put like two or three beans inside of that cup with soil, and the teacher would send you home to put it next to light or by a window, and she would give you instructions to every single day water that seed, right? Water that bean. By the way, beans are fruit for some of you that don't know. They're the magical fruit. The more you eat, the more. I'm just going to stop right there. Some of y'all know where I was going with that. But they send you with this, and the teacher tells you to water it every single day. And I don't know about you, but that was the first test of me being patient, of understanding the importance of consistency. Because there were times where I would go to the teacher the next day and be like, nothing is happening. Like, what's going on here? And she would just tell me. Keep putting it by light and keep watering it every single day. Okay, so here I go. Let me put it by the window. Let me add some water. And then I would go to sleep and wake up, and the first thing I would do is run over there, and nothing would happen. And then all of a sudden, what would happen, because I consistently had exposed it to light and had watered every single day, and trusting the process, something would start to sprout up. And I'm like, okay, Ms. Johnson was not lying to me. That wasn't you guys. They're not related to you, Keith and Lynn Johnson. Ms. Johnson wasn't lying to me. Like, she meant that. But I understood the power of consistency. And can I tell you that there is power in consistently setting time aside for God in times of prayer and in times of worship. And, guys, let me be honest with you. You're not always going to feel like praying. You're not always going to feel like worshiping. You're not always going to feel like reading the Bible. But we trust the process and we understand that the word of God, these are seeds that are being planted in my life. And I trust the process that eventually what's going to happen is I'm going to start to look more like Jesus. Things are going to start coming out of me and I don't have to force it. It naturally becomes joy is seen in who I am. It naturally becomes I am more patient. It naturally becomes that I am more kind. And people are starting to see that I'm becoming more like Jesus as time passes. I think one of the tragedies that we're finding these days is that when people hear church or Christian, immediately they have negative connotations of who we are. Because let's be honest, we haven't always reflected joy to the world. We've reflected a lot of things, but it's not the fruit of the Spirit. And what has to to happen is we individually have to say, What does it look like for me to follow Jesus? Am I allowing his word to change me? Am I allowing the Holy Spirit to work in me? Are there any areas of my life that I am leaving undealt with and I'm not allowing God to work in? And as he starts to work in us and consistently watering what God is planting, we will bear fruit. And then one of the last things that that article said, said this, be diligent with pruning. How many of you know what pruning is? Some of you? You've heard the word. Maybe you've read it in the Bible. Here's what pruning is. 
when you prune, what you're doing is you're making sure that any downward growing branches, as soon as you see them, you don't wait. As soon as you see them, you regularly clip them off. Anything that looks damaged, anything that looks dead, and anything that looks diseased. Because you've got a middle part of a fruit tree that's growing like this, and then what starts to happen is some branches are competing with that one. And they start to grow like this, or they start to grow like this. Or you start to look that there's disease growing on some of these branches. And so as soon as you see it, you don't wait. You cut those things off. Because what happens is if you don't, it's going to affect what's good. And it's going to hold back the fruit that is trying to come out of that fruit tree. Y'all know where I'm going with this. There are things in our lives sometimes that God has to cut off because it's getting in the way of what he wants to produce. And having a consistent uh, habit of saying, God, search me. Is there anything in me that's getting in the way of what you're trying to do? God, search me. God, is there any unforgiveness right now that I have towards someone? Sometimes that, that, that's what that, that bad branch becomes is unforgiveness. Is that someone hurt us at one time and, and we hold on to that hurt and we hold on to that pain. And they've moved on. They're doing their thing. They're living life. And you're over here just still reliving the experience and still reliving that situation. And God is saying, if joy is going to be seen in who you are, you got to let some stuff go. Not by your power, not by your might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Some of us, it's a, it's a friendship. You're trying to live for Jesus, but every time you try to go after him, you've got people around you that drag you the opposite direction. Sometimes it's a dating relationship. Come on, students. I remember when I would hear things like this, I'm like, uh, he ain't talking to me. Sometimes it's a dating relationship. Man, I commit my life to the Lord. I want to live for you. But when you're around that person, their standards and their boundaries are completely different than yours. So what they're doing affects you. What they're doing is almost choking what God has planted in your heart. And it's allowing, it's us allowing the Holy Spirit to cut off some of those things and say, hey, this is not productive, this is dead, this is damaged, this is disease, and it's getting in the way of what I'm trying to produce in your life. Normally, at the end of a message, we pray, and we will. But I want us to do something really quick this morning. Can everybody just close your eyes, just right there where you're at? And this is a conversation that I want to happen between you and God, nobody else. And you don't have to say this out loud, but just right there where you're at, just say, Holy Spirit, what are the areas of my life that are getting in the way of what you're trying to produce? God, is there anything in my life right now that is getting in the way of joy being seen in who I am? God, am I holding on to anything that is damaging, God, that is no longer alive, that I need to surrender to you? And I believe that as we're in this place, God is speaking. It's not easy. I get it. The hardest thing to do sometimes is to let go of things that we're so accustomed to doing. Or letting go of people that we're so accustomed to having. But as someone who's living on the opposite side, as someone who continually has to do this just like you guys do, I can tell you with 100% confidence is that it's worth it. 
It's worth letting go of that. It's worth releasing it to God because what he has for you is so much better. His plans for you are not to harm you, but it's to give you hope in a future. Y'all can open up your eyes. The last thing that this article said, in order to produce good fruit, it says that you have to harvest at the right time. In other words, don't get impatient and pull the fruit before it's time. Because what you're going to do is take a bite of that fruit and realize how nasty it is. It's not as tasty or as sweet as it could be. And I just want to take this time as we're, we're thinking about not pulling the fruit prematurely, but having patience and waiting for the right time, not to rush it. I want to take this time right now to encourage you, follower of Jesus. Whether you're new at following Jesus or you've been in the game for quite some time, don't get discouraged. Don't throw in the towel. Continue to approach God with an open heart. Continue to approach God in spending time in his word and in prayer and in worship. Don't throw in the towel just because you see the opposite of joy pop up in your life from time to time. When you see that anger pop up that we're ashamed of or you see that anxiety or that depression pop up, don't throw in the towel. God is still working on you. He sees you trying. He sees you fighting. He sees you going after him. And here's the reminder that he wants to give you this morning. You cannot do it on your own. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not called the fruit of Aaron. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. I can't force for joy to be seen in who I am because I think good enough or because I try hard enough. It's a work of the Holy Spirit in my heart and in my life. And naturally it starts to come out of me. Don't give up. God is working in you. This is minor in comparison to maybe what some of you are struggling with. But when I gave my life to Jesus, one of the things that I struggle with the most, my parents are in the house, so maybe they didn't know this, but here goes. What was, what was coming out of my mouth? I could not talk without throwing you this bomb and that bomb, believe it or not. And I'm not here to impose my convictions on anyone. But I do remember God saying, if you're going to reflect me, don't let what come out of your mouth be a distraction to someone else. And I remember moments, guys, where I would go to church. I would have these powerful moments where I'm in prayer, I'm in worship. I heard the word. God is working in me. And I'm like, man, I'm going to go out there and live for Jesus. And then when I would go out there, boop, something would come out of my mouth. And I would get so discouraged and be like, God, I mean, am I pretending like that I... Really, like, are you really working on me or not? And I'll never forget that the Lord spoke this to me. He said, instead of getting frustrated with the fruit, let me deal with the root. Because the fruit is only a reflection of what's deeply rooted. The Bible says that out of the abundance of the heart, the what? The mouth speaks. Some of you get so frustrated with what's coming out of you, and God is saying, you need to let me go deep inside of you because there's some rooted stuff there that I need to deal with. And as I start to deal with that, then what's going to come out of you is going to change. And so when it would happen, I would just go to God and thank him for his forgiveness and his grace. God, work in me, Lord. I don't want anything to get in the way of reflecting you. And it's still my prayer to this day because I haven't fully arrived and I won't until Jesus comes back, right? But while I'm here, God is working in me and I'm becoming more and more like Jesus. Here's my, my advice to you today. Remember that you don't sow and reap in the same season. The seeds that are being sown in you 
You won't see a harvest right away a lot of times. But God is still working in you. Trust the process. Philippians 1.6 says this, And I am certain that God who began the work, good work within you, he will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. It's a process. It's a process. You don't sow and reap in the same season. So we've been doing some action steps, and this is what we're going to close with. If you haven't taken notes throughout this whole part, I want you to take notes on these following things. These are some action steps that we can put in place this week. Number one, this week I want to encourage you to plant seeds daily. Spend time in the Word of God daily. Spend time reading your Bible daily. And some of you are like, where do I start? <laughs> like, I don't know where to start. This isn't the only way, but this will help you get going. On your phone, you can download the Bible app. Does everybody know what I'm talking about? It looks like this. Look, that brown Holy Bible icon right there. You open it, and at the bottom, you'll see a section that says plans. When you click there, it'll give you different reading plans that you can walk through every single day. This is the start right here. And so let's say you clicked on how to stop worrying. You hit start plan, you could do it by yourself or with friends. And then you've got a devotional and verses that you can read. You're not always gonna feel like doing it, but have that consistency of planting seeds daily this week. The second thing that I would tell you as an action step is water consistently. Take time to worship and pray every single day. Setting time aside to just put some worship music on and just spend time in the presence of Jesus. I'm going to share some albums that have been on repeat on my phone on Spotify. You've got The Blessing by Carrie Job, great album. Alive in Los Angeles by Israel and Newsbreed. And then you've got uh, Venga Tu Reino for my Spanish-speaking people, shout out. Maverick City, Maverick City Musica uh, has been on repeat as well. Again, this isn't all the worship that's out there, but just some steps to help you get going. And just put some worship music on and just say, God, this time right here is just you and I. Doesn't have to have a certain structure or overcomplicated. Just take time to be with God. And the third thing that I would tell you is this, is allow God to prune. Keep asking the Holy Spirit, is there anything that you need to cut off that is getting in the way? Let me pray with you guys this morning. God, I thank you that you're equipping us to do the good work, Lord. I thank you, Father, that we're not called to do this on our own. But if joy is going to be seen in who I am, God, it's a work of your spirit in me. So have your way. Before we go any further, I do want to give the opportunity that if there's anyone in this place that says, hey, I don't even have a relationship with God through Jesus. Where do I start? I mean, I'm basically living for myself at this point. God has made a way for you to have a relationship with him and it's through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. You don't have to do a single thing to earn it. The price has been paid. You receive it as you would a gift. And so if this morning you're saying, I want to make that decision to start living for him and to follow him, with everyone joining together, can we pray this prayer together? Say, Jesus, come on, say, Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my heart. Make me clean. Purify me. I believe that you died on the cross. 
And I believe that you defeated death through your resurrection. I want to start living for you. In your name I pray. Amen and amen. Come on, guys. Can we give up for anybody today, whether in person or online, that's making that decision for the first time? If you've made that decision today to start a relationship with Jesus, we're not just going to leave you on your own. But we have an amazing new life team who wants to talk with you and walk with you through some next steps. And you can do that by going to newcommunity.co forward slash new life. God bless you guys.